Hey, Dennis, back on the podcast. Uh, how is the weather over where you are? Hi, Giannis. This is the Dennis week, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> For you. <laughs> After Mr. Fabian, who's a lovely chap, by the way, I, I got to work with him um, down in Bali. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't remember me, but anyway, he's uh, he's a lovely chap, and we we spoke about his training uh, back then uh, a few years ago. Uh, weather is nice, uh, you know. It, it's actually it's actually like almost a, um, an early summer weather here in in the UK, apart from like six degrees at night. Like we 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 are now heating. It's not as good as Marbella, I can tell you that much. Yeah, we have a little bit of a grave period. I mean, it's it's sunny overall, but it's cloudy. And yesterday it rained a bit, but I could still play in the evening, so it was good on the on the clay. So it was uh, still okay here. But the rain period starts, and then it's the weather is a little bit dodgy. There are no indoor courts. I think there is one under a roof in the entire Costa del Sol. Uh, so it's not <laughs> like you can play. If it rains, it rains, right? Then you have to either be on wet clay or or not play at all. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, wet clay is is uh, is not the worst, but obviously we we spoke about it, and and I'm pretty sure we will speak about it again. But you know, sliding in a wet clay is <laughs> disastrous, and most of the Hungarian clays are are not really suitable for for sliding. But I know the Costa del Sol clays are absolutely different, and they are just magnificent. I, I played. Um, Quite a few actually down there where you are. Um, I've been there quite a few times, and 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 I played in different clubs and uh, and a few tournaments, and and it is it is heaven on earth. Yeah, no, it's very good tennis area, especially around here. And Alicante is also nice in Spain, so it's pretty good. Uh, Djokovic is raining again uh, as as he is on the fast indoor courts. Two titles in a row, not super surprising, but still quite impressive. What are you saying? Wow, uh, has been a good week for tennis. Uh, we we didn't really talk about it last week because obviously they were there were two fifties uh, which which we spoke about many times. That yeah, it's okay. You watch it. The finals, semifinals are okay. Quality before that, you you got to see some some proper fighting and all that. But uh, yeah, uh, two five hundreds. One one was in Tokyo. The other one was in uh, Astana in Kazakhstan. Funnily enough, one of the main guys there is uh, a fairly dodgy ex-president uh, of the uh, Hungarian Federation. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Who knows? Knows. Who doesn't know? Doesn't know. I will tell you all. Off, off air, uh, what's his name is it doesn't really matter, but he uh, he's not the most liked person uh, in the Hungarian tennis at the moment. He had some some pretty dodgy business, but yeah. So um, both tournaments were pretty amazing, to be fair. Um, in Astana, the first seed was Akras, who lost in the first round. Djokovic seems absolutely untouchable. He, uh, although when I say untouchable, Medvedev. Uh, did touch him and almost beat him and Novak was saying that Medvedev was the better player over two sets and it was one of the weirdest um, retirements uh, ever literally they finished the second set tiebreak which was <laughs> a proper gunslinger uh, fight it was it was absolutely ridiculous and uh, and after eight, Novak winning 8-6, uh, Medvedev just um, literally went to the net and said to Novak, well done, you're through to the next round. 
So he was, uh, but he had some some injury. Apparently, he um, injured his calf or something in um, in 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 the second set tie break, and and that was really painful. And he was just like he he couldn't finish. And and what I've heard is that he will actually be finishing the year because it's that serious. But I haven't been I haven't heard the confirmation. But apparently, it's it, it doesn't look likely that he will he will play the remainder of the season. Our little favorite won Tokyo. So I don't know if you've been watching, but it was a pretty high quality final against PFO. I haven't watched a lot, to be honest. I've been working on some stuff, but uh, I watched a bit, kept kept up to date. So fill me in. How was the, the final? So uh, it has been an amazing match against Shapovalov, and, and it's great to see Dennis back. Um, now that is the week of Dennis's, let's talk about the best... Uh, uh, tennis player Dennis. He he was playing amazing, and he lost in the semis against Fritz. So Nick didn't play against Fritz in in the quarters, which definitely helped Taylor. Uh, and and I think and I think Nick was sort of like he he felt like yeah okay I got my uh, got my entry money and all that, and and he won a few matches, but he, he couldn't be bothered. I I couldn't I couldn't really see that he was really bothered about playing there. And um, and it, it was an interesting interesting final as well because Tiafoe was playing pretty well, uh, but it seemed like uh, maybe uh, Fritz was was listening to our podcast and and was saying that you know what guys I'm just gonna be unbeatable now and he actually played like it so you know everything was working. The only thing what I see in him, you know, he had he I think in my opinion he definitely has a top three game. Like you know, massive serve. His forehand and backhand are amazing. The only thing is that he has to come to the net a lot more often. That's the the weakness at the moment. What I can see in Taylor's game, and and you know, if if they actually, you know, his coach is Michael Russell, who I think during his career he has been to the net like five times. Yeah, so, he's a baseline grinder, like with the, <laughs> the muscle arms and stuff. You like that? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, he's he's like he's he's not a really tall guy, and he and he was you know he was a great journeyman. Like you know his best ranking was I don't know seventy fifth or something. So so he was a, he was a good player, and I think he was an overachiever as well. And Taylor seems to be trusting him, uh, and he has every reason to. Like you know, uh, Fritz is is, is now. Uh, slowly he became number eight in the world like you know he, he had an amazing year like we are not really talking about it. and we we wanted him to play a lot better on the U.S. and and he failed to do that but to be fair I mean if you think about it he now has uh, a master's title which he won in Indian Wells he he won a 500 now in Tokyo and he won a 250 in Eastbourne and and I mean one of them is is in, indoor hard one of them is uh, grass and one of them is um, is obviously hardcore and um, to be fair, if if he wouldn't have shied away from from the uh, opportunity against Nadal, uh, he would have been in the semifinals against Nick in Wimbledon. So he had an amazing year. He has every right to be in the top ten. Has the game to to become even better. And and I think he's um, as I said, he doesn't necessarily have a weakness, and he showed that um, in this match against Tiafo. The only thing is is again. Um, He's just a bit afraid to come to the net. And in today's game, when it's really hard to hit through the court without a volley game, it's it, it, it's it's challenging. It's it's really tough. So I, I I hope that they will they will work on that and uh, 
maybe now that he's in the top 10, he can, uh, he can talk to like, I don't know, like an Edberg type or even like, you know, all these, all these guys who played the servant bully. And as we talked about it in the previous podcast, they might be able to, to get someone on board who, who will uh, make him, make him play a few more volleys because he has good hand skills. He's tall, he's quick, he's, he's powerful. So um, that's about Taylor. But yeah, the final was great. You know, he won 7-6, 7-6, really two convincing tie breaks. And to be fair, it was also fairly straightforward because he faced, uh, I think he was broken once, but I, I didn't see the beginning of the match, but I think it was two all with two breaks, uh, one on each side. And and after it, he he held his serve really convincingly and only Tiafo was facing a lot of break points. And, and, you know, credit to him, he saved them really well. But, uh, Taylor was was untouchable. So uh, I think um, he he has great great things uh, coming forward, and maybe maybe he can even challenge for for a few slams next year. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. He's a, he has the game, like he has the big serve, he has the solid ground strokes, good forehand, and like you said, he needs to add some spice. And uh, good to point out that it's so hard to hit through your opponents. Like you need Alcaraz power to hit baseline winners. Almost, you know, they're so good at moving side to side. It's very difficult to to win that way. Djokovic has a way of playing hardcore chess, so he kind of finds ways to make it very awkward for the opponent to hit a shot. And he's just a master at that. And then they miss or make some mistakes that look silly, but they're kind of engineered by by Novak. Uh, but otherwise, I think having a solid volley game and more aggressive game, I think, is the way forward. That's really the way you have to play tennis. I mean, you look at Alcaraz; he was playing a lot of volleys you know when he won his first US uh, US Open so you need need to get there and and finish the point I think that's uh, important but we'll maybe see some of these guys uh, work a bit harder on that because uh, it is a bit of a lost art but maybe it's coming back hopefully and next year we'll see a lot more people at the net trying to finish yeah. the point yeah, definitely. Like uh, you can see it on Sinner's game as well. I think Sinner is is now working on his volleys like big time, and he's coming to the net a lot more than what he was against uh, under uh, Piatti. So it's great. And and what I can also say is is you mentioned Carlos, and and he he has so much variety in his game that that's that's why he is where he is already at 19 years old because he he the drop shots the I mean, I think he has one of the best volleys in the game already at the at the age of 19. The the only downside of Carlos is is his serve, but his serve is a lot bigger than than most of the guys who who are already in the top 10. That's scary, uh, and we 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 spoke about it many times that that's scary what Carlos can bring. But if if you look at like Taylor, he has a game to match Carlos from the baseline, but obviously in a in a long busting. Uh, unbelievable match. It will be Carlos, who has a little bit more variety, and that's that's why maybe for Taylor it would be pretty beneficial to to think about how I can mix it up a little bit. But now what he's doing, he's doing brilliantly, and and you know it, it is actually like, you know, if if you think about it, that he almost beat Nadal uh, in Wimbledon, and before that I, we've seen him live, and and he was stunning. I mean, he beat Molchan. And Molchan is a great player, and, and even so on, on grass. And, and the funny connection is that Molchan's coach is Marian Vaida. Um, so I can, um, I can actually go back to Novak, because we basically just wanted to talk about Novak and how amazing this feat is. He won 12 games in a row, if I'm not mistaken. 
that is just getting to the silly phase because he now he's playing the ATP finals because there's um, small uh, letters uh, in this contract uh, for the ATP that if if you win one of the Grand Slams, even if you don't get the points, you just have to be in the top 20 of the race to be. Uh -huh, okay, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the first time I've heard about it this uh, uh, last week, and it sort of makes sense. I mean, even with Wimbledon out of the, the picture. Uh, he still really deserves to be in there, even with not playing the U.S. I mean, he had a great year. It's just his own decision, which we talked about. You know, we we obviously uh, honor his decision of, of not getting backed, and he now honors it. And now he's not like you know thinking that that's 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 not fair. He just you know he just gets on with it, which is fine. And he's scary. I mean, when when he beat Tiafo like six. Two six one or whatever that was on the labor, I was like a bit scared. Like, oh my god, this is gonna be. He's he's angry, and when Novak is angry, he's not someone to to joke about. I wouldn't be surprised if he would just carry on and win all the, the remaining tournaments because I think he's playing Paris, and after it, he's playing um, the ATP Finals in Turin, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he would just go on undefeated. No, I mean either. I think the way he is played and he looks so fresh and if you look at the number of tournaments he's played this year it's 13 now and because of all that you know um, vaccine stuff he has not been able to play a few which he usually does and so 13 tournaments he is very fresh I mean Nadal has only played 11 but he's obviously more injury prone and and he has a different schedule so uh, but 13 is not much compared to players on the top 10 like Tsitsipas has played 23 tournaments Kasparu 24 and if you think that Alcaraz played a lot, still 18, so it's much lower than these guys. Uh, even Sverev, who was injured most of the year, it seems like he played 20. So uh, quite interesting uh, that Novak is down to 13, which means he has a lot in the tank and probably will be almost unbeatable if he plays like this for the remaining tournaments. I mean, Medvedev is injured, so he is kind of the kryptonite, I think, sometimes to Novak because they play so similarly. Uh, but the other guys, uh, I don't know. What do you think of uh, Alcaraz? Like, is is it getting, you know, is he getting tight because he's number one, or do you think he's getting tired? Uh, why would he lose the first round like he did? Uh, I think, uh, look, I think with Carlos, it's, um, you know, we are talking about a 500 in Kazakhstan. You know, he got like, I don't know, 250,000 pounds or whatever dollars for, for even like, participating in the tournament i don't know the exact number but it must be in in the hundreds of thousands i think and he went there he lost in the first round and he was like yeah well okay it's 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 fine rafa is number two and he is number one in the world he was really proud of of uh, his spanish heritage and you know obviously his legend is rafa and it's great that he's number one and, and rafa is number two i i wouldn't make much out of of his first round loss like you know as i say if he loses in paris in the first round that might be a few raised eyebrows for that but again he had a fantastic year and we shouldn't like we should never forget that he's still 19 years of age and I mean, there were a few like Novak fans who were saying that, yeah, but you know, if, if Novak would have played, Akras wouldn't be world number one. Yeah, but who cares? He's world number one. So, you know, it's great. And it was quite funny back to just one more thought about Novak. He was saying that uh, uh, Medvedev 
was, I mean, he was literally saying what you were saying, that he's, he's uh, Novak's kryptonite, because uh, he was saying that now he actually understands when, when everyone else is playing against him on the tennis court, because whatever he did, Daniel was getting it back. Like, you know, there wasn't a winner. There wasn't anything what Novak could have done, which is funny to see. And, and you know, it's, it's great that, um, that, that we have in the new generation, we have like all these, all these players, like, you know, we talked about that Alcaraz is like the mixture of the, the three goats because he really is. Like the serve is, as I said, the weakest point, but it's still not like, you know, something which you can really point out that it's absolutely horrific. So it's not like what Rafa's was when he was like, 18 19 we don't even know how he won the the garros like a couple of times uh before his 20s because you know he didn't have a serve he was serving with 160k and that sort of thing yeah it was it was obviously it was quite a tricky serve but you know if you think about it even for clay you need some sort of serve so i wouldn't i wouldn't make much out of carlos losing i think he was like as 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 nick was in a way that you know we we got our money you know, it's, it's still good for Carlos. You know, he 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 got a few points because obviously he wasn't really playing much before that. Um, and I think he's knackered. And I think it, it's actually pretty good for him that he doesn't actually care about what's happening now at the moment with, with the 250s and 500s. He might be coming out guns blazing in Paris and then he, he might be winning winning the, uh, the ATP finals. I wouldn't bet my money on Carlos on these ATP finals because I think that's Novak's uh, cup of tea. Now, now we are almost at the stage where we can actually uh, look back at the at the year of 2022 and, and see uh, where it led us in tennis. But it's it has been amazing. And and sorry about the ladies. I'm I'm not really following on on what was happening. I know that it was in Tunisia. I think uh, one of the 250s and. Uh, and Shiontek lost in the finals um, in uh, the Czech Republic, I think it was, to Kvyatikova. Yeah, Again, we are talking about 250s. So <laughs> yeah, I think the top players know where to add the most energy. Some players will still try to win every match. I mean, Shiontek is one of those, so Kvyatikova must have played really well to beat her. Uh, Novak also wants to win everything he enters, obviously. And I think Alcaraz is kind of the same, but it's also not... A completely uh, disaster that he lost his first straight sets match of, of the year. Actually, he has not lost one straight sets match until this one. So it's a pretty crazy stat after playing quite a lot of tournaments and matches. Uh, but I don't think he will lose first round in, in Paris because that would maybe create like a streak and then maybe gets into his head, confidence, whatever. But if we look, you know, at this week's play, we have quite a few tournaments going on. Like we have Gijon. I was actually watching uh, Murray today earlier. He uh, he beat Davidovich Fokina, played typical Andy Murray match. He runs around the back of the court and, and gets everything back. And then he wins the most crucial points. So that was pretty impressive to see. And uh, we have Firenze, a beautiful city. Has a, I think that's a new ATP. There is never one. Yeah, it has to be. yeah I, don't, I don't think there was one before that. But but Italy is doing an amazing job. So the Italian Tennis Federation is is the one to follow everyone. Exactly. No, I think that the, and also they have the Tennis Napoli Cup. I never heard of that. That is uh, happening uh, next week with Stockholm Open, uh, European Open in Antwerp in Belgium. So the, the Italians are pushing tennis and they're getting a lot of results. Obviously, Musetti, Berrettini, Sinner. So many good players from the Italian side. I don't know about the women, though. Maybe there, there's some missing there, but that might also come in later. 
Uh, so definitely Italian tennis is thriving, like probably the most thriving nation in Europe. I mean, obviously Spain has the one and two and some really good uh, WTA players, but but it's historically been like a super nation in tennis, while Italy is it's not always been as powerful as it is now. Uh, so that's very impressive. And also then they have the next gen finals, which would be interesting because I don't really know who the next geners will be in that tournament. And then we have the Nitto in Turin as well. So ending really strongly uh, in Italy as well for both of these yeah. next geners. Absolutely. And and that's that's great for the Italian tennis. Um, and what I wanted to say is that uh, hats off to my fellow Hungarian, John Blarpiros, because he won a challenger last week in Guangzhou in um, South Korea. Uh, lovely chap, by the way. One of the best techniques in, in the game. Like, he is absolutely ridiculous. The only problem is that he's like 5'10", so he's like 180, and, mm. uh, and he's, he's like 65 kilos or something, so he's really skinny. Because of that, his body doesn't really hold up. He actually had to uh, uh, retire today against a, um, a wild card in Seoul. So uh, that's that's not good, but but also about Hungarian tennis just a little bit, and uh, we'll go back to to Italy and also to uh, the ATP um, uh, matches which which are going on because I wanted to wanted wanted to touch team because uh, team just won uh, unbelievably convincingly against Souza, but I will talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. So about uh, Hungary and uh, the three uh, young challenger players. So Matej Volkus got to the last eight in Parma and he actually had to retire, but he uh, he came from the qualies. So that's that's pretty impressive. He won like five matches. Fabia Morojan, who I also spoke about um, and talked about, he went to the semis and, and lost really narrowly in Spain somewhere. I don't know, somewhere. Alicante, maybe. I don't know. And uh, Jean-Bois Pirsch won. So, you know, pretty good results. Um, and Jean-Bois Pirsch is now 137 in the world, which is a career high. And that's pretty impressive because if he keeps on pushing, he might get to the, um, to the main draw of the Aussie. So that's, that's, what he's, that's what he's aiming for. So that's about the Hungarian players. Big up for them team was really convincing and he won I think 6-1-6-2 against Souza which is absolutely stunning and he was smoking I really wanted team to win like this now because now he's getting back to form and I have to apologize for him because I didn't actually think that he's going to come back but now he's making a strong case for himself and he loves tennis and uh, I think he, he will keep trying he's not that old what is he is he 30 um, not even that I think like 29 exactly so and he came into this tournament on protected ranking so uh, and also like to demolish Sosa who doesn't give away many points is very impressive and I think uh, it's something he can build on because I think his game is getting better for every match he plays it's pretty clear but it's a pretty strong tournament in Gijon and it's also a new tournament as far as I know uh, quite a few new ATP events this year i mean obviously getting sponsors and etc is not the easiest uh to atp tournaments especially after covid or during covid it was definitely very difficult but it seems to be some new life in the atp in general with a lot of new locations new tournaments which is great for tennis and uh, and you know we we talk about it that uh, we need some new life in tennis and you know if we if we take it to new cities it definitely helps like fucevic <laughs> lost in the first round to Oscar Ote, who's one oh, of the weirdest a tough player, customers. Yeah. 
yeah, he's 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 really he's really tough. And you mentioned that, and and that's just just coming back to the volleys is that like you know with Maxim Pressy as well. It's uh, hopefully there will be um, like this renaissance of of uh, Serbian volley or maybe even volleying because that is that is so essential to to have like great volleys and. And actually, uh, Zverev started to play a lot better when he, he when he started to come to the net because he was standing like 67 meters behind the baseline when he was playing rallies, and and you know that's that's good. But you know if you're like 198 centimeters as as Zverev is, you need to play aggressively, and and that's when he plays the best. And 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 I think that's that's what he that's what he uh, he had seen, and and it's such a shame that he's not here. Because I think he would love to take on on uh, the youngsters now. Yeah, I think it's interesting that that the volley game has become more important. And uh, I mean, I grew up watching Edberg, and the whole the whole game back then was a lot more focused on serving volley. Obviously, I didn't have polyester strings; you couldn't hit with so much spin. The rackets were much smaller. Everything was more centered around pretty flat, heavy shots. And at some point you needed to get to the net and sometimes really on the serve or after the serve. And that's kind of a lost art in a way that it's hopefully coming back, even if it's not serve and volley so much as Cressy does, which is quite extreme. You could have players being more open, like Federer, for example, to get into the net. I know Sitsipas does it quite a lot, which he's very successful at. Like he has big reach, good hands. Why not? You know, you need to mix it up a bit and he need to have all the weapons now as a tennis player. Uh, this Tim van Rijthoven, he played quite a lot of uh, volleys as well. I mean, today he was trashed by Mika Lümer uh, in some way. But you have some younger players that are much more keen on, on attacking, uh, which I think is, is great because we need more variety in tennis. We don't want to go back to being like just baseline tennis. It needs to have as much variety as possible. And I think you win more if you introduce more weapons into your arsenal. Absolutely, and and that's what I love in in uh, some of the guys. Tsitsipas loves to play doubles, um, and that's the same for Dennis. Dennis loves to play doubles with uh, one of his coaches is Popana, uh, who's mm -hmm. one of the best doubles players still on tour. He's around his forties, and and I know he's in uh, Dennis's camp sometimes. Maybe that's only when when he's playing a tournament with him. But he definitely helps Dennis with with the volleys, and I've seen Dennis play live uh, the serve and volleys, and he is and he actually beat Fuchovic once when he was um, when Fuchovic was still top fifty, uh, and uh, and Dennis was playing unbelievably with with the serve and volleys. So you know it, it's great. Like team loves a, a bit of volleying as well because he has pretty good hands. Uh, obviously, we spoke about Rafa. That he's unbelievable at the net, and he actually uh, the, the funny the funny thing is that he changes his grip. He plays a little bit like a badminton racket. He just holds it up there, and you know, obviously, if if you look at the three goats, they were never shied away from uh, from coming to the net. Uh, by the way, new guys yesterday, a 16 year old played against Tommy Paul. <laughs> I forgot his name. If you uh -huh. have if you have the draws on. Ah, yeah, yeah, in, in Gijón. So Martin yeah, yeah. Andaluce, okay. Yeah, uh, so I think I guess he's Spanish. He has to be Spanish. Yeah, yeah, he's 16. Uh, born 2006. He looks very much like a, a boy. 6'3", so some decent height, but nothing outrageous from Madrid. So yeah, he's probably like wild card. And then um, then he lost pretty badly. But I mean, obviously, as a 16-year-old on this level, you're playing also Tommy Paul, who uh, has his best year in his career in, in 2022. 
I lost six three six love, but still sixteen year old playing on the on the ATP tour, pretty impressive. And and what I've seen, I've just seen a a few footages of a few points. His backhand, oh my god, it's like this no top spin. He just hits it flat, and and it's just it just travels through the air. So check him out because uh, he he might be he might be the next um, next next player. Because if if we remember. Uh, Carlos came on the scene when he was 16. Even won a match, I think. Uh, I think he was. He has to be in Spain. If you have good coaching, if you if you have the right team and the right manager, you you might actually make it. So uh, big up for the 16 year old, and hopefully he w- we will uh, hear a lot more about him. It seems like uh, then there's a, a young uh, trend now. It's like a young vibe. A lot of players coming up. It's hard to even keep up with all the names. Uh, there's there's a lot more like movement on the tours I feel than what it was for a while when it seemed like you saw the same names over and over again, and now you have this like one guy coming from there, one new guy there, one new guy. Same on the WTA, a lot of really young people. It, it's it's you know some like transition or some shift happening on the professional tennis level, which is good and necessary. I mean you need to have that generational shift happening because uh, it's not good if it gets too static. And we had like. 20 years of goat stuff so i think we need a little bit of movement now absolutely and and you know what some might some might even say that that was quite boring i sort of agree because we had these crazy crazy statistics that like if you think about it there was like five other players who want to slam apart from the three bigs maybe maybe i'm i'm exaggerating maybe it's like six or seven but it, it definitely wasn't ten no so if you think about it that that like you know we can even we can even come up with all the names it's just it's just silly so yeah it's it's great um and about italy just the last thing you can see it like what what they actually they they just instantly emphasized tennis started to to get a lot of uh, futures a lot of challengers and now a lot of atps and mm-hmm. they even get like the nitto which is great and and also one is in Turin, which is the ATP finals, and the and the next gen is in Milan. There's always an Italian player who just comes up, and I don't even know. Can can we check who's in the Nitto, uh, whatever, now in the uh, the next gen finals? Yeah. So if I look at this next gen list, uh, we have the two very famous players at the top of the ATP race to Milan, which is Carlos Alcaraz. He's not gonna play the next gen ATP finals. He's very much <laughs> a current gen, uh, and Sinner as well. Yannick Sinner is not gonna play. Interesting to see if Musetti plays. Uh, I think that's highly likely. He's number three on the list. And another guy that I would probably pick as the favorite is Holger Rune, who is very strong this year. But also exciting players, Jack Draper, very exciting to watch. Brandon Nakashima, a solid American player. Then we have this uh, Czech guy who I've seen. He's, he's also very dangerous. He had a good oh, run. Oh, There's a Lech guy, I think his name is. Oh, okay. Uh, Yerzy Lehechka. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he, he played really well at uh, the, I think, Rotterdam, I'm not, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He, he has had a good run there. And then we have a um, guy I have not seen, uh, Shun Sin Tseng. Uh, I've not seen him. I Yeah, I'm pretty sure I know that guy. He's he's playing the Seoul. He's the first seed or the second seed in Seoul. Because um, I was thinking about Thomas Machak, Machak, or I don't know how to... Yeah, that's a tough one. I think, yeah, something like that. But is he not like under 20 or around 20? Because I thought that he would be in in that list. But you you told me Yerji Lehechka, who's uh who's a great, like, you know, these these guys are, are pretty exciting, actually. And and now 
after Burdick, we didn't really have that many Czech players, but now these guys are coming through. Kretek is on the list as well, is also strong, relatively. Dalibor Svrčina, also from <laughs> yeah, Czech. Lo lovely names, lovely Yeah, names. yeah, it's not always easy. People have to have uh, some patience with the, with the pronunciation. Uh, but if I looked at the top 10 after Zeng, uh, Zeng uh, he, there's Francesco Pazarro. I have not seen him. He's playing in Florence, apparently. Uh, so he's a young guy. I don't know where the age, age limit is. I think 21, and he is 21. And then we have a dangerous guy I've actually seen live in the, at the Boss Open, Dominic Stricker from, uh, from Switzerland. Oh, yeah. He's, he's I know him. The left-handed Rusivori. <laughs> the thinner and Rusivori and uh, striker or stricker yeah they all have the same sort of gear i, I know that like thinner has this um a specialist nike stuff because he has a he has a different um, pattern on his clothing and he also has a different uh, shoe i think he's actually playing in uh, the zoom turbo or something like that i think that's that's what he's playing in that's mm, his shoes yeah. uh he he plays specialist shoes and stricker and Rusevori, they are both uh, sponsored by Essex, and they're both playing with uh, Speed, uh, I guess, Pro. I'm not sure if, if it's uh, what set up, but it's definitely a Speed. And what I wanted to ask you, because obviously, you know, I, I told my friend, because uh, he's, he's our devoted listener. He's in Bermuda, bless him, and great player, by the way. And, and he used to be my doubles partner, and he was asking me that I should... <laughs> demo the boom uh boom mp and boom pro and and tell my opinion but i said that you, they should go on your channel and check it out um because i think you you demoed it or you you have uh, tried it right yeah yeah I've, I've reviewed the the boom pro and the mp uh good rackets okay. uh but yeah it's a lot going on in the string bed so you can hit as the same four shots and then the fifth one goes um, goes a bit long for some reason so there's a little bit of, of trampoline effect in these rackets, but they're very nice. They're arm friendly, you know, so they're, they're, um, they're good rackets for sure. He uses E-Zone, um, the, the old one, the three tens. So, mm. uh, he's on 98 and, and I think it's just, it's just the right racket for him. So Ben, you shouldn't switch rackets back to the next gen. It's what I can say is that I think this is the, um, the least strongest. I don't want to say the worst, but the least strongest out of all since the whole thing started, because in the first year there was Rublev as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, and uh, the other great South Korean who's, who's back, by the way, he played uh, a great match against Djokovic in the Aussie Open. And mm -hmm. he got to the quarters, I think it was. You know, he, he's the one who plays in the glasses. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so he's, uh, he's back. And it's great news because he was so injury plagued. He he was he didn't touch a racket for like two years or something. And unfortunately for him, he uh, he cannot have a, an eye surgery, and that's why he's always playing in um, prescription glasses. And he was on the first one, and I think he actually won it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he won the first one. I remember that. I mean, he was very. Uh, I mean, he's still a good player, obviously, but he was gone for for two years, as you said. So remember his monster blisters he had at the Australian Open. He made a deep run there. That was, that was probably 18 or nine, 18 or 19. And yeah, I think it, it was at least like three, four years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. And uh, yeah, this guy is, is strong and it's nice to see when players have to go through the, you know, hell and back to, to get back to the tennis court, but they, they still persist and they, they do it. And I, I love to see that. So um, 
Yeah, it would Absolutely. be fun to uh, to see what he can do now that he's back in business. Like Holger Brun, he's he's great if he can put his mind uh, on the right place. I think he's a top ten material because he has everything. You mentioned Musetti. I think he can lose more than he can gain uh, on on this because last year he was like you know really out of form. He wasn't really playing well and all that. He might be playing because he will think that yeah, in front of his home crowd. He wants to achieve this, and I, and and it's a pretty good uh, booster for for everyone's next year. Because if if we think about like Rublev, if we think about uh, Sinner, if we think about Akras, they all mm. like Rublev didn't win it, but it definitely helped him. Jack Draper, great player. We we spoke about him uh, previously, and and I think he's he's actually a, a magnificent player. And lefties, I always got fascinated about lefties in tennis because there's not that many, but you know, if you're a lefty, you can um, you can always somehow do better. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a completely awkward guy to play. I mean, you we all know who play with uh, against lefties, or if you are a lefty, you have some kind of advantage because the ball is coming from a different place. Your your strategies of maybe attacking the backhand is suddenly a, a strong maybe forehand, and uh, your game has to change. And it's not that easy to adapt in tennis. It's already difficult as it is. So I think that's. That's a thing that's always interesting to to see the you know the more variation you have the better I like you know have these shorter guys and then you have really tall guys and then you should have lefty righties different styles uh, when tennis becomes too much of the same like only tall tall guys hitting from the back of the court it's not going to be fun so you need to have the variety that's what makes it uh, fun and exciting to watch and I'm definitely going to watch this next gen finals with more interest this year because a lot of the guys are new to me. I'm also more invested in it in a little, in a way because of, of tennis nerd, and I do work uh, and help uh, some young players now on the tour with the rackets and stuff. So it's, it's always interesting to see what's going on, what's the current trend. Everybody asks for more power, more power, more power. Uh, so it's um, it's fun to follow what what's happening also from the from the gear and equipment side. I don't necessarily think, to be fair, that it's always more power. I know that that's. I mean, I helped quite a few guys back home when I was working for Head. I don't think with with rackets, it's it's always down to uh, to power because these guys can generate loads of power. So that's what they. But I know that these guys work like, oh yeah, I want more power, I want more spin. Wow, it's amazing. It plays so well. But then you know, obviously, when you have to defend and that sort of thing, it doesn't work out that well. And it was funny that you mentioned Stricker because I think he is a really, really exciting new player as well who's, um, who, can, who can make some waves. And, and I actually thought that he, he should have already made some waves. And that was quite surprising for me that he's still, he's around 150 in the world, 120, something like that. Uh, he's 139, yeah. So you're pretty much spot on. Yeah. Uh, he's not that tall. I mean, it's an interesting height is 183 because I've seen a few players now. I mean, Alcaraz is 183. Uh, which is six uh, six zero in American system. Uh, this guy is twenty years old, so they're not very tall by tennis player standard. And uh, it's interesting to see what they can bring to the table with his height, considering how how kind of tall some players are nowadays. You know, but but from in the juniors, it's not the tallest guys. Uh, I mean, obviously Rune is is quite tall, and uh, but the rest are not too too tall. It's like one eighty five. 183, 186, something like that. 
that seems to because I think I think because of of the bowls and and the courts uh, serve doesn't actually mean that much anymore. You know, if if you look at the big servers and you know obviously Zverev and and even Medvedev and and all these tall guys who have a massive serve and Tsitsipas as well, by the way, they get a lot of free points. But for that, you need to master that that stroke. And I think that might, I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing here. It's, it's, it's quite hard to judge what the ideal tennis player is. Although I think like, uh, you know, pretty much what um, Novak and, and, um, and Andy Murray is, that's like the 188, 192. That would be when you're still like moving really well. Yeah. Uh, you're fairly close to the ground. For example, that's why it's, it's quite interesting to see how Zverev and, um, and Medvedev and even Fritz moves around because they're tall guys. Uh, I think even uh, Fritz is 6'3", is 6'4", six, six, at least. He's, he's over 190, I believe. Yeah, he's 6'5", actually. He's massive. Mm, he's very, very tall. You see, you see that like quite lanky, good reach. Serve, yeah. obviously, is much better when you're that height. He's number eight in the world. He just broke the uh, top ten barrier, uh, barrier, and and that's that's just uh, that's just amazing to see. And yeah. um, TFO is also getting there. And what was really interesting for me is that I think TFO just won one ATP 250, and that's uh, next to his name. I think that's all, which was surprising for me because I thought that you know like 250s and him should have been a lot more than that. Yeah, I think he he didn't really get his head together until now pretty much i mean maybe in recent years when he's had some some good grand slam runs and everything i think he was very talented but it was just very much in his hands literally and uh, and not so much in the head but now he's getting the the mental part together he seems to fight a lot more and for some guys mature later when it comes to the mental tennis side i mean we're seeing it with curious in a way that he's at least maturing a little bit and now in, in recent times than he was before. So are you seeing some late growth? And while some players are are super solid and, and focused like Alcaraz and Sinner straight from the from the get-go as soon as they break through from the juniors. Another good example is Vavrenka, because I think Vavrenka, it's just unreal what he achieved because he had the biggest game and he's still on and 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 he and whenever you can still see Vavrenka on a match just to tune in because he's so much fun to watch the yeah. only problem is that he's not that quick anymore and we talked about his knee troubles and all that but uh if you look at Vavrinka, that he achieved three grand slams and he had three finals and he won them won, won them all and mm. and that's that's just unbelievable and he's a he's a late late achiever because uh he was always good. He was always like a top 20 player and, you know, top 25, maybe even top 15 because like, you know, but he could have lost any day on any surface and he could have won against anyone. Mm. And then, then he just basically orchestrated three amazing tournaments with Douglas Norman, who's I think still one of the best coaches around. And it's, and it's a shame that no one is actually um, having him, in his uh, corner. It's an interesting one about Norman as well, that he was an unbelievable, like he made Vavrinka a beast. Like Vavrinka was literally, I, I remember, I think that was one of the, the demolition jobs when, when he beat Novak in the French final. That was one of the best performances ever by a human being on a tennis court. That yeah. was absolutely unreal. I remember also the, the other final when uh, team played uh, Rafa, like it was it was gunslinger 
it, it, both guys were just absolutely going for it. But, you know, Rafa, as he always had, just had too much for, for um, Domi. And he, um, he still doesn't have the uh, French. And I, you know, I, I, I wish him that he will come back and he will play the same level of uh, clay court tennis as he, as he used to, because if he would, it would be a pretty interesting, you know what, I would love to see a rude uh, team final in the French. Or why not an Alcaraz uh, team final? That could be amazing as well. But what what yeah, the power hitting? Good. Yeah, so there's some <laughs> good matchups. I mean, it's not impossible that if he starts winning the matches like he did today, uh, six two six love or what it what it was. Uh, if he wins that indoors and he gets on on the clay, I mean, starts building confidence again. We can definitely see him back and and he can maybe not played on the same level for as many tournaments as he used to do because he used to be a machine. But if he can get to this level of Wawrinka where he's really good at focusing for the slams, for example, or the Masters, and can make deep runs when he's in form, I mean, obviously he has the game to to beat anyone pretty much. A, a chance for him even to win the French Open once. I think he, he deserves that. Two finals and, and good runs there. So it would be cool to see him win it. Absolutely. And and it's quite funny to see that Rude is now the uh, the new team because Rude is actually playing the same sort of He's a machine, and he's just going from from uh, from tournament to tournament, and he just grabs these two fifties <laughs> if they were for free. It's yeah, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but but yeah, it's 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 great to see that, and it's pretty exciting to talk about like uh, all these uh, all these predictions for next year. And I guess we will have an episode where we will actually have some some bold predictions for next year. Maybe Alcaraz winning all four slams and that sort of thing. <laughs> but it, it will be an interesting uh, next year, I think. And and you know what? I if I would be Rafa, I would be focusing on the French and maybe even call it quits of the French. That's that's what I would be doing. Yeah, that could be interesting. Could be something. We'll see what happens with his uh, with Bebe Rafa, which is also one of the big news uh, since we talked last. But. Hard to say more than that. I think they're going to keep it pretty private. One thing to end on, I think, would, since we talked a lot about the youngsters, the return of Servant Volley, uh, and uh, how strong Italian tennis is these days, is that when you count the top 20 players on the next-gen list, meaning that the people have the highest ranking points under 21, on or under 21, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Italians. On the top twenty, that is completely outrageous. That's just bonkers, and and you know what, they deserve it. Like if if they like they sort of took the ATP and and the ITF and and they just they just took him and ran away with them. If you just stay in Italy and and play every week a tournament, you will just uh, get ATP points, and that's what I would possibly do if I were if 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 I was just a young kid and and you know my my parents would have loads of money i would say that dad i want to live in pisa or i don't know in in florence because that's lovely and then i just want to go to tennis tournaments in italy yeah exactly that sounds like a pretty good life uh, as always nice talking to you always interesting debating what's up in the tennis world absolutely uh, thank you Jonas, and uh yeah take care see you next week see you Dennis. <laughs>